Good morning to those of you watching at home. Welcome to Barrier Church of Christ. We are in our second week in November now, and uh, we're still waiting for some fall weather, but we're here this morning together uh, as a body here in the building and watching from at home, uh, getting prepared to spend some time this morning worshiping our Father. Uh, before we jump into that, we've got a few quick announcements. Uh, if you are watching at home, please take a, a moment just to like and share this so that we can get this out in front of as many people as possible and, uh, and share the good news that Tim's going to bring us today. Um, we want to start off with our prayer list this morning. Uh, if you're not already doing so, please log on to vitalconcern.com. Uh, make sure you've got an account there so you can stay up to date with what's happening uh, in our body and, and in, in our extended family, if you will. Um, we want to be prayerful and thankful. Uh, sadly, our COVID-19 affected list is continuing to grow. Um, this week, Orlando Henlon Jr. tested positive for COVID-19 and was actually admitted to Tampa General for some treatment. Um, his wife, Davrina, is also positive, but she is able to be at home. Her symptoms aren't as severe, so we want to keep them both in our prayers. Uh, the children, uh, the children were negative on their tests, but um, but they're still going through some some difficulties at this time. There is a take a meal that's been set up for them. Uh, if you can help out with that, please check out the Facebook page or the uh, the, the Bay Area website, or get in touch with Miss Aloa, and she can help you with that. Rodney Phillips' uh, brother, Doug, and his wife, Jan, are also fighting COVID-19. Uh, Bruce Herman has tested positive as well, and he and, uh, he and Jamie are quarantining right now. We also want to be praying for Cheryl Villinger's mother, who was put in the ICU with COVID-19 and also has double pneumonia. So we definitely want to keep her in our prayers at this point in time. Um, sadly, we need to add Pat Ungerer to our prayer list. She took a fall at home this week and uh, broke her upper left arm in a place where it, it can't be casted. So she's going through a lot of difficulty with that and a lot of pain and, and her recovery there. So if you can reach out to her this week or if you're able to give her a call and see if there's anything you can do to help her out, that's greatly appreciated as well. Uh, we all know our brother Harold Stutzman's been dealing with some issues as of late. He remains in Advent Health with a, a bone infection right now. So let's, uh, let's keep him in our prayers. David Harkins has been moved to Clearwater Center uh, for skilled nursing, but uh, He's still unable to, to go home to be with his family, and uh, he's unable to have visits right now until at least November 19th, but he would really love a phone call or a card if you have the time and the ability to do that. Um, he's, he's being uh, isolated somewhat and, uh, and rather lonely, so let's try to make an effort to reach out to our brother there. Our love and our prayers are extended to uh, Teresa Kyle and her family uh, in the uh, recent passing of her uncle, James Tulio. Uh, Teresa is also asking for prayers for strength and encouragement as she's got a lot on her plate right now, as many of us do, and I think we can all relate to that, so let's be sure to keep her in our prayers. Dee Harris, uh, our sister, is scheduled for an upcoming hip replacement surgery, um, and there's going to be a sign-up, and be watchful, I think it went up this morning, a sign-up to, to take a meal to her as well so we can take care of her as she is recovering from her surgery. Beulah McHale is facing some difficult uh, situations at work and has asked for our prayers specifically for that as well. Uh, and again, please be reminded to check out Vital Concern, keep up to date with all these things. On a more thankful note, uh, we want to congratulate Ray and Jessica Godwin Boone um, on the arrival of Charlotte Hazel on Thursday, November 5th of 2020. Both mom and baby are doing great, and we can't wait to meet Charlotte. So that's great news uh, to be added to our family here. And speaking of adding people to our family here, uh, you'll want to make sure to, to stay tuned this morning after communion. We're going to have a baptism this morning. 
as, uh, as we're going to have Claire Cracian added to the, to the body here. She's been a, a member since she was born, but she's going to take that step and, and, and give her life to God this morning. So we, uh, we rejoice with Claire, and we look forward to that after the service this morning. Uh, for Faith Lane, kids are going to continue to do their Zoom classes or their Zoom uh, pajama parties on Thursday nights with Miss Angie. Those are always a lot of fun. If you're on the Faith Lane or you're a family with Faith Lane children, we really encourage you to take part in that. You can find the information for that on the, on the Facebook. Um, and the youth group got a lot of fun things on the horizon for our teens. Robbie's been working hard. Uh, please remember that Sunday classes are going to meet from at 1 p.m. from now on. Um, also, there are Zoom meetings on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. So uh, last week's praise and worship night for the Faith Lane kids and for the uh, youth group kids was a great success, uh, a lot of fun. We've, uh, we'll be looking to do that more in the future and possibly extending that out to more, more members of the body. So keep an ear and an eye out for that. Uh, and then lastly, Sunday worship at the building. If you're planning on worshiping with us, uh, we certainly would love to have you here if you feel comfortable and safe being here. Uh, just please make sure, and for all of you that are here and, and know the routine, that you go online and sign up by Thursday prior to the Sunday you want to be here. And uh, we'd love to see your smiling faces behind masks here on a Sunday morning. Uh, we also want to continue to keep in prayer all of uh, the missionaries that we are supporting across the, across the globe, really, at this point. Uh, we've been very fortunate and blessed to be able to give them a little bit more during these times of need uh, as they are struggling to, uh, in some cases, just to even get food. And so they're very thankful for that. They reach out to us uh, very often, very frequently, thanking us for, for our committed support to them and the work that they're doing. We want to keep them in our prayers as well. Um, if you're watching at home or here in the auditorium this morning and you're on a, the Faith Lane, we've got bingo cards back in this morning as well. So uh, you'll want to grab a marker in your bingo card and be paying extra special attention to Tim's lesson this morning. And so we're going to prepare for that by uh, pausing for a moment, uh, stopping, really allowing ourselves to, to shift our focus and our thoughts and minds into the worship period. And we'll do that right now by going into prayer. So bow with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come together as a family and just put all the world aside, all the distractions, and know that we are your children, you are our God, and we can know that we are loved by you. Lord, that is such a tremendous gift. We thank you for this opportunity to come together this morning and worship you, to lift your name, and to give you all of the adoration and praise that you deserve. Father, we pray that you will help our hearts and minds to be focused on the message that you have for us this morning. We thank you for the, the soul that's going to be added to your, to your body this morning and the, the great celebration that's going to be taking place in heaven when that occurs. Lord, we pray that you will guide all of us, help us to be loving, to be mindful, and to share the love and the example that your son gave us to all that we encounter. And it is in that son's name we pray. Amen. Morning. Invite all of you, both uh, online and here, to join in as we worship in song. Uh, if you're at home, the key is start singing from the very first, and before you know it, by the end of the first song, it's, it just is, is natural. I sing praises to your name, oh Lord. Praises to your name. 
Tim's going to come and speak to us after we sing this next song. I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to uh, stand as we sing this one. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, you give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Taking my sin, my cross, Rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in Good to have you with us online as well. Um, glad that we can meet together. Lots going on. A lot going on in the family this week. A lot going on in the world this week. And I hope you have been and continue to be prayerful. I hope you're praying for our president-elect. I hope you're praying for healing and unity and most of all, I hope you're thanking God that Jesus is on the throne and God is in control. Um, Mike mentioned, too, that uh, some of you at home and some of you here in the auditorium are going to be playing uh, Sermon Bingo this morning. Um, I am really been impressed with the way Angie has been keeping our kids engaged and involved in this difficult time. So uh, you kids pay close attention. And I'm going to say this. If you get bingo, one of you can shout it out, okay? But I'm going to keep preaching. It's not going to end the game, 
but, uh, but uh, yeah, I guess maybe we're looking for, uh, I don't know if winner is the right word, but uh, yeah, so thanks Angie for doing that and, and uh, keeping our kids engaged and involved. I am, I'm sure that a lot of you have seen the television commercials for Lincoln Automotive where Matthew McConaughey is the actor and the spokesman. You've seen those? It's been going on for a couple years. He's been the spokesman for Lincoln uh, Automotive uh, uh, Cars for, for a couple years. And I read this week that those ad campaigns have been wildly successful. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I got to tell you, and I don't know if you're agreeing with me or not, Dee, but I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't get those ads. You know, he is way too mysterious. Hot, too hot. No, that's, that's, I've never thought way too hot. See, I'm going in a whole different direction here. Yeah. No, I see, I was going to say he's been, he's way too weird in those commercials. You know, it's like, I don't get it. You know, and my son, Nate, is a, uh, has a degree in marketing. He said, Dad, if you don't like a commercial or if you don't get it, then it's not for you. You're not the target audience. And I gotta tell you, Lincoln Cars, I'm not the target audience, obviously, because I don't get it, and I don't like it. Um, but, and yet, it's obviously been a really effective campaign because I'm about to quote the latest uh, commercial for you. And Matthew McConaughey doesn't appear in it, but he does a voiceover. You've probably seen it, it's for an SUV, I think, and, it's got a musician that seems to be traveling around from gig to gig. And Matthew McConaughey says this. And I'm going to, do, I'm going to use my best Matthew McConaughey voice for you. Knowing who you are is hard. It's hard. Eliminate who you're not first, and you're going to find yourself where you need to be. The race is never over. The journey has no port. The adventure never ends because we are always on the way. You've seen that commercial, right? Yeah. And, and I don't share that to, uh, uh, you know, kind of cause you to want to go buy a Lincoln. I share that because that message actually has a biblical ring to it, especially for us in this life, because the race is never over. The journey has no port. The adventure never ends because we are always on the way. Now, we're spending a couple weeks in the little book of Philippians, and we're talking about some truths, some lessons that Paul teaches, some, some truths that cannot be quarantined. And I know I'm jumping around a little bit, and that's okay, because I really wanted to preach this sermon uh, today. And you hear me talk quite a bit about our story as followers of Jesus, the, the journey that we are on, you know, the adventure that we're in the middle of. And if that's true... If we are on a journey, and I'm convinced we are, and if it is an adventure, and I've lived long enough to prove that it is, if we are growing as we should be, if we're being transformed, if we are growing, then the question becomes, what does that look like? And how do I know if I'm on the right path? You know, the question becomes, if I am here, on this journey? How do I get there? How do I get to where I know I want God wants me to be and, 
And in my heart, I know I want to be. How do I get from where I am right now to where God wants me to be? How do I get from who I am right now to who God wants me to be? Because the truth is, we're always traveling from here to there. You know, uh, when you're younger, you think to yourself, as soon as I get out of the house, I'm going to be there. And then you get out of the house, and you realize, I'm not there yet. But as soon as I get married, that'll change things. And you get married, and it does change things, but you haven't arrived. But then when I have kids, that'll be a defining moment. And it is a defining moment. But the journey continues. Now, as soon as I get the perfect job, as soon as I retire from the not-so-perfect job, now, as soon as I get just a little bit farther down the road, I'll have arrived, I'll be there, and you keep living and you keep getting older and older and you realize, I haven't arrived. I'm still not there. Because you know, we're always on the way. We're always um, longing and looking for something. So the question sort of becomes, well, what does there even look like? And maybe just as good a question is, how committed am I to getting from here to there? We're going to get to a passage in Philippians in just a minute. But uh, before I get there, I want to remind you of the fact that in a lot of ways, God's people have always been traveling from here to there. The very beginning, God comes to a guy by the name of Abraham. He's living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees, and God says, I want you to leave here, and I want you to go there. I'll tell you where there is later. It's in Genesis chapter 12. Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I'll show you. And then he comes to a guy by the name of Moses. And for Moses and God's people at that time, here was slavery in Egypt. And God says, I don't want my people here. I want them there. Moses, I want you to go and I want you to take my people out of Egyptian slavery. I want you to cross the Red Sea. I want you to take them uh, to freedom. Exodus chapter 3. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Then just a little bit later, God comes to a guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua has spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness with the rest of God's people because of their lack of faith. And God tells Joshua, it's time to go from here, the wilderness, wandering. It's time to go to, from here to there, the promised land. Deuteronomy 31, the Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on oath, and I myself will be with you. Or years later, the Israelites, at least a great number of them, again, because of their lack of faith, find themselves in Babylon. They're here is exile. And God says 70 years. He's really specific on this one. 70 years. And you're going to leave here. And you're going to go there. You're going to get to where I want you to be. It's Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. And then we read those famous words that every high school graduate gets in a card when you graduate. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you 
not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God said you are here, but my plan is for you to get there. Here is oppression. Here is um, captivity. But my plan for you is a place of prosperity, a place of safety and hope and a future. You know, the journey from here to there in Scripture is never a geographical journey as much as it is a spiritual journey. It's a journey from where we are right now to where God wants us to be. From who we are right now to who God wants us to be. It's a journey from bondage to freedom. It's a journey from despair to hope. It's a journey from doubt to faith, from fear to courage. From sin to obedience, from death to life. That's the journey we're on. And it's not just an individual thing. As a church, we're on a journey as well. If you've ever taken a trip of any length with small children, you know that the first question they ask as your car is backing out of the driveway is, are we there yet? And it will be asked, over and over again on the trip. When my kids were very small, um, we went through Burger King and they got a uh, kid's meal. The gift in the kid's meal, the little toy, was a Bart Simpson watch. And a uh, little plastic cheap thing, but it had a button that you pushed. And it had Bart Simpson saying, are we there yet? And Homer going, no. So we had three of those. <laughs> And we had three little kids going, are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. And it was one of those things that somehow this free toy, the battery lasted for like decades. <laughs> I kid you not. And it was one of those things, you all have those toys or those things or those pictures that just keep showing up somehow. Am I, am I right, Martha? It's like we'd get a new car and they'd pull out one of those watches out of the seat. You know, every drawer you open had one of those watches, and they'd pick it back up. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Um, this morning, I'm going to let the Apostle Paul give us a little bit of insight about what there looks like. What there looks like individually for me as a follower of Jesus, and what there looks like for us, you know, a family of believers. And I'll go ahead and tell you up front, or maybe ask the question, you tell me, are we there yet? No. Nope. Nope. Yeah. you got to say it like Homer. Nope. Nope. No. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front on a much more serious uh, note what there actually looks like, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. Um, there involves moving toward a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to know what there looks like? There is moving toward a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. It's moving toward a place where everything we say, everything we do, every thought we think, every act we, we commit is filtered through Jesus Christ. You know, Paul will say in Colossians 3, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you too will appear with him in glory. And Paul makes it clear that Jesus isn't some part, some aspect, some section of your life. Paul says when Jesus, who is your very life, appears, 
there involves getting closer and closer to the heart of Jesus every single day. If I'm headed there, I am headed toward the heart of Jesus. Now, professional counselors will tell you, never evaluate a relationship on where it is right now. Because relationships are never static, they're always fluid. Never take a look at a relationship and evaluate it on where it is because it's always moving towards some direction. And our relationship with Jesus is that way as well. Our relationship with Jesus is always moving towards some direction. We are either moving closer to the heart of Jesus or we're drifting further away from the heart of Jesus. And <laughs> this is really something that, that you can kind of, you know, you can test yourself. I can't do it for you, but, but you can do it for yourself. There's a litmus test to this. It's pretty simple. Have I grown in the last year? Am I any different this year than I was last year? You know, we keep saying, and I don't have to tell you this, 2020 has been a tough year. In the middle of an election cycle, am I more loving than I used to be? In the middle of a pandemic, when I'm trying to get my kids to learn online, am I more patient than I used to be? Am I gentler? Am I kinder? Am I more aware of people who are hurting? Am I more aware of people who have needs? Am I more aware of people who are lost, who don't know Jesus? And you ask yourself those questions, you say, well, um, I don't know. Maybe. Well, if that's your answer, then you're probably drifting a little bit away from the heart of Jesus. The Apostle Paul knew all about this reality. He lived this reality. And thankfully for us, he wrote about it. You know, Paul's going to write about how Jesus transformed his life. He writes about here and there. He writes about where he was and where he is. But he also writes about where he wants to be and where he's headed. Uh, Philippians 3 is where we're going to be for the rest of our time this morning. Philippians chapter 3, and I, I want to pick up the text in verse 4. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. In other words, Paul is saying, if you think you have a reason to be confident in your own abilities and your own status, I'm way ahead of you. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But, whatever's, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul says, my initial here was putting confidence in myself, putting confidence in the flesh. And he said, I, I used to think I was somebody pretty important. I used to put a lot of stock in my status and in my position and in my credentials. And before we come down too hard on Paul, don't we all? I mean, we all do this. And we do it all the time. Whether it's our job, our bank accounts, or our families, the way we look, you know, we do it around our education. Kind of interesting, for Paul, he did it around religion. What Paul really put a lot of faith in was his religious standing. 
his achievements. Because being part of a religious community was incredibly important to Paul. So he goes through all these things. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Now to the people of Israel, that was the best. Law said that, that Hebrew boys were to be circumcised on the eighth day. So Paul said, I, I did it right. I did it perfectly. No, I, I was off to a good start. Um, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Of all the 12 tribes, Benjamin might have held the most status. They guarded Jerusalem. Uh, the first king, King Saul, who Paul was probably named after. Remember his name was Saul before God changed it. Uh, king Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. So he had that going for him. I was a Pharisee. Now, when we read that today, that has a very negative connotation. To us, Pharisee is a bad word because Jesus came down so hard so often on the Pharisees. But to those people, Pharisee wasn't a bad word. It was a good word. I mean, the Pharisees, they were the Navy SEALs of, you know, spirituality. And he goes on to say, I was so zealous for God that God's enemies were my enemies. As for legalistic righteousness... I was faultless. Paul said, I knew the rules. I kept the rules. I made sure everybody else knew the rules. And I made sure everybody else kept the rules. I was the spiritual go-to guy. And then Paul says something happened. Paul says, I met Jesus. And when I met Jesus, I got a brand new there. I got a brand new goal. I got a brand new dream. I was on a brand new journey. Being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, that's become my life. And I discovered that his yoke was easy, that his way was life-giving, that his grace is sufficient, even in my weakness. In fact, Paul's not finished here. He wants to be sure that we understand what he's talking about. So notice what he says next. Verse 8. What is more... I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And then he says in verse 10, I know the last couple of weeks I've told you that uh, there's a passage in uh, chapter 2 of Philippians might be the best in the book. I'm coming off that today because verse 10 might be the best. I want to know not the traditions, not the rules, not the ledger, not the expectations. I want to know Christ. Amen. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is being really honest here, and he's being really open. And he's being pretty vulnerable as well. He is admitting that his brand new there has come at a price. There was a price that I paid. Um, he's lost his position, he'd lost his standing, his status. He'd lost the respect of all those people that he'd tried for so long and tried so hard to impress. He'd lost the things that had become his very identity. Paul says that, <coughs> excuse me, says that he died to those things. And he had. When, when Paul followed Jesus, 
he left a community that was really important to him. He left a community that was really uh, identifying to Paul. All the things that Paul mentioned in that, that passage that I just read, those aren't abstract things to Paul. I mean, that's what he lived through. And he experienced the pain of being sort of, uh, you know, a loss of status and a loss of respect. And he experienced the pain of all the people that he'd admired so, for so long saying, wow, did you hear about Saul? Did you hear what happened to Saul? Mm, he's, long, he's gone. He's lost. Those things used to be so important to him. And now he's saying, all those things that I longed for, all those things that I rallied around, all those things I put all of my time and effort into, you know what? It's rubbish. It's garbage. It's trash. <laughs> Refuse. It's all worthless. It means absolutely nothing. Listen again. Let me read it again. Paul is so to the point here. This, this is, man, this is such a good passage. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. That's who I was. That's where I was. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, the people that I used to impress, they're not impressed with me anymore. And the people that used to welcome me, the people that used to include me, they don't welcome me anymore. And they don't include me anymore. But... Whatever was to my profit, I consider loss for the cause of Christ. Paul says, everything that holds me back from Jesus, garbage. Everything that slows me down from getting closer to the heart of Jesus, rubbish. It just means nothing to me anymore. Nothing compares to the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, Jesus would talk about the same thing, by the way. In fact, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a story. It's a short story. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Paul says, that's me. I'm that guy Jesus was talking about. I'm the one who found the treasure. And I realize I can't stay here. I got to get there. And I've got to get rid of everything that's going to keep me from getting there. That's my dream now. That's my goal. That's my destination. Jesus is my new there. And so Paul's writing about it. And of course, we know Paul, right? Paul's this amazing guy. I mean, he's this amazing follower of Jesus. He's lived this uh, faith-filled, you know, Jesus-focused life. But notice what Paul says in Philippians 3. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what's behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, am I there yet? No. No, I am not there yet. But I can't stay here. I can't stay where I am. I got to get there. And when Paul is writing this, think about where he is. You know. You know, physically, he's in prison. He's not in a great place. Spiritually, yeah, Paul's in a pretty good place. But Paul says, I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived yet. I got to go there. And he uses this image uh, of a runner who is straining to win the prize, forgetting what's behind, pressing ahead. So I'm going to forget about what's behind me. Now, that doesn't mean we don't learn from yesterday. You know, if yesterday was a bad day, I messed up, I stumbled, I, you know, I, I sinned. Okay, I'm going to learn from that, but I'm going to keep my eyes on the finish. Or maybe yesterday was a great day. Well, I'm not going to rest on that. I'm going to press on toward the goal. I can't allow yesterday or last week or, or last month to stop my devotion to Jesus today. And this picture of a runner, you know, straining toward what's ahead. Body bent, head fixed forward, you know, never looks back. Eyes locked on the finish. Every muscle straining to get there. It's the picture that Paul's painting. I can't stay still. I can't stay here. I've got to strain to get there. So, I'm pressing on. Most of you are pretty bingo. Now, I, why did I not know it would be Angela Steed? <coughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so that's over. Good. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 you're familiar with because we know Hebrews chapter 11 so well. That uh, uh, faith, um, the hall of faith. And then Hebrews 12, the writer says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Listen, if you're in a place this morning where you feel like I'm growing weary, if you're in a place this morning where you feel like I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm losing heart, if you feel like you're stuck, if you just feel beaten down, Worn down. If you feel like, I understand what you're saying, but there, that seems so far away. I feel like I will never get from here to there. I feel like I'm never going to get where God wants me to be. If that's what you're feeling this morning, Paul's message is for you. Because Paul wants us to understand you're not going to get there by yourself. 
I don't care where you are on your journey. You're not going to get closer to the heart of Jesus by yourself. It's going to take Jesus. It's going to take the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, we don't have to count on our own ability. We don't have to count uh, on our own capability, our own wisdom, our own uh, uh, you know, insight and planning. No. We put our trust in Jesus. What we count on is the fact that one day Jesus, the Son, told God the Father, I'm going to leave here, heaven, and go there to earth. And then he went from heaven to a manger, and then he went from a manger to a cross, then he went from a cross to a tomb, then he went from a tomb to being alive, and then he went from alive on the earth back to the right hand of God. And what Jesus accomplished at the cross was to bring up there, down here. What Jesus accomplished at the cross was to give us an opportunity and a path to get from here to there. And when I'm pointing there, what I'm really meaning is there. A relationship with God the Father. So we could be a part of, of God's eternal plan. That's why Paul said, I want to know Christ. And the power of His resurrection. The fellowship of sharing in His suffering. Becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Listen, what we trust in is not us. What we trust in isn't uh, our own abilities. How we're going to get from here to there is it's not our wisdom. It's not our education. It's not our bank account. It's not our jobs, our status, our standing. It's not the fact that we're Americans. The only way to get from where we are to where God wants us to be is through Jesus and by Jesus. Paul says, everything else, anything else, it's garbage. It's just garbage. So, I wonder if you would be as honest with yourself as Paul has been with us. And all of those things that you and I have considered so important, would we count it a loss for the sake of Christ? All those things that we just see as so vital and valuable and impressive, would we admit, in the grand scheme of things, it's just garbage? It really doesn't matter. You know, maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's stuff. Maybe it's something in and of itself. Nothing wrong with it, but you've kind of been building your identity around it. And you've been hanging on to it in a way that maybe is a little bit uh, you know, arrogant toward other people. Maybe a little bit judgmental in the way that you handle it. Instead of being open and humble and relying on God. You know, if you've just been stuck, if you feel like I'm not making any progress from here to there, would we admit to ourselves, would we humble ourselves and say, God, just let it be about Jesus. Let me step closer each day toward the heart of Jesus and then I'm going to trust you to get me there. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus.
Are we there yet? No. <laughs> we are not there yet. But may we become more peace-filled, more truth-telling, more people-loving, more gospel-sharing, more prayer-powered agents of the kingdom than we were yesterday and last week and last month. If you're joining us online, if you're at a place in your life where, you know, I'd like to talk to somebody about that, um, there's a link that's on your screen right now or will be soon where you can go to a website and there'll be some options where you can have someone pray with you or pray for you. You can ask someone to get in touch with you. Uh, part of this process, a really important part of this process, is becoming a child of God and making that step. And if you're online, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, ask you to stick with us a little while. We're going to get the joy of sharing in a baptism here in just a few minutes. Um, Jesus is my Lord. We've got a young lady who's ready to make Jesus her Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to start in that process. So, if we can help you in some way, uh, let us know virtually. And if you're here in the auditorium at the end of our services today, uh, an elder will come and give you some options as well. Let me end with a prayer as we close this part of worship out. Father, we're just guilty of so often allowing the urgent to get in the way of the important. And we get so consumed and we get so focused on all the stuff and all the status and all of our selfish pleasures. Father, would you remind us it's all garbage. And would you place in our hearts a renewed resolve to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Would you help us to today forget what's behind? Would you help us to strain toward what's ahead? Press on toward the goal to live our lives focused on Him so that when Christ, who is our life, appears, we too will appear with Him in glory. It's in His name that I pray. Amen. Dave's got a song that he's going to lead to help us get ready to share in the Lord's Supper. After we sing this song, uh, Travis Steve's going to come and share some thoughts with us. Jesus, you are all to me. Why did you die on
part of the plan. I see the wounds that cause the cry from heaven, ocean, earth, and sky. When people watch their Savior die, could this be part of the This is the part in our service each week where we have the opportunity to gather together and share in the Lord's Supper together. And if you're, if you're at home, this would be a good time to, to get together the materials to do that. Uh, our model for this, for what we're doing, it's shown in several places, but one of those is with Jesus himself in Luke 22, verse 14 through 20. <clears throat> When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink it again, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This was a shared experience that he had with, with his disciples, with his closest friends. This is a shared experience for us as well. We know that Jesus could have chosen any format he wanted to for his memorial, for how he would be remembered. And we definitely know that Jesus valued solitude. He valued his alone time. Every time he spoke to a big group, uh, gave some message to a crowd, almost every time it seems like, we, the Bible tells us that then he goes off to be alone, to pray, pray to God alone. There's nothing more personal than our relationship with God. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus even tells us, when he tells us how to pray, he says, go close yourself in a room and pray, just you and God. Pray to God in private. <clears throat> but this that we're doing now is different. It's not like that. He said he eagerly desired to eat together, just as we're doing. 
there's, there's two types of people in this world. Uh, there's two types of people in my house. Um, a rec very recent example I can use is I got bingo twice before Angela got it once, and I'm an introvert, and I kept it to myself. She did not. I bring this up because those people like me, uh, one of the last things you want to hear in any class setting is, okay, this is going to be a group activity. And this is going to be a group activity, I'm telling you. So. So there's so much right now that's dividing us. There is political divisions, there's racial divisions, and of course there's physical division. Uh, we're literally quarantining to keep from getting each other sick. We are not able to all be here in the building together like we want to. Even those of us here in the building have to keep ourselves separated. So this is a rough time for unity, for a people that are truly called to unity as we are. However, I just wanted to let this be a reminder that we are unified, we are all together, and this communion that we're about to partake, it's communion, it's us communing with, with God and communing with one another. We think we're in crazy times for, uh, for the church right now, but imagine being around those, in those days and hours leading up to the cross, and Jesus was trying to prepare his, his disciples. He said a, a very special prayer for them and then he followed that up with another prayer, prayer for us, for those who would hear and believe. He says in John 17, 20, my prayer is not for them alone, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you, and you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So let's try to focus on that unity, that love that brings us together and that ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. Would you bow with me? Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your body. And thank you for uh, willingly sacrificing that, that body on the cross for our sins. We pray that we will take this bread and this fruit of the vine right now uh, in communion with one another and in a way that's pleasing to you and in a way that honors that sacrifice that you made for us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Just take a minute to, to mention the opportunity that we have to give back at this point. Uh, the needs are so great around us, the needs are great in this body, and the missionaries that we support, the, the people in this 
community that we support, the, the work of the, the staff in this, this church that is so vital, um, just our efforts to spread the gospel and proclaim Jesus, it, you know, it, it requires funding. And uh, we have the opportunity to contribute to that. There's opportunities online. It's just, uh, just a chance for us to, to think about that and to, uh, to talk to God about that. So would you bow with me? Dear Lord, thank you for all that you have blessed us with, all that you give to us every day, that everything we have, we know, Lord, comes from you. We're thankful that in, in, a, in a small way we can give that back. Help us to willingly, cheerfully give back to you and pray that you will bless the funds and that you will guide those who direct those funds so that your kingdom will be increased and that your word will be spread. And we pray, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Claire Dana Cracian, my daughter. So, a lot of you have known Claire while she's been growing up, and I've heard it been said by some friends and family that many of you thought her real name was Claire Dana one, <laughs> two, three. But the joke's on you, what you didn't know is we were teaching her mathematics from an early age, okay? Uh, not only that, Claire is an accomplished uh, mathematician these days, but all of that to give her some critical reasoning skills. And Claire's been doing some reasoning, she's been doing some thinking, along with some help from teachers in Faith Lane like Angie and Mike and several of others of you. She's come to some conclusions because she's been reasoning. She's been reasoning from God's Word. And so, that brings me to today. Claire Dana, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, Jesus is talking, and he says, if you confess me, actually he says, whoever confesses me before men, him also I will confess before my Father in heaven. And so Claire, you're standing in front of a group of people that love you, and they're gonna be asking, or they're gonna be looking and watching as I ask you a really big question, one of the most important questions I can ever ask you. And I want you to use that reasoning skill that you've learned to think about the question and how you're going to answer. Are you ready? Okay. Claire Dana, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? 
Do you believe that he died on a cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins? That he lives today? And are you ready to make him the Lord of your life today? Yes. Claire Dana, based on that confession, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. this one. I have a closing song. I invite you to stand as we sing this. And as we sing it, uh, recall the words uh, that we just heard from Tim and the, and the scriptures that he shared with us. I want to know Christ and the power of his rising. Share in his suffering, conform to his death. When I pour out my life to be filled Joy follows suffering, and life follows death. Jesus, let us come to know you. Let us see you face to face. Touch us, hold us. Please be seated. <laughs> 